Mashiach now. Want to share about the Mashiach being called Barnafli, coming from Tractate Sanhedrin 96b from the Talmud Bavli. It says the Gemara begins a lengthy discussion about the Mashiach. So it's important to know that when it comes to Mashiach, there is so much to discuss. So the best uh, avenue of being able to gain illumination and insight on the Jewish perspective of the Mashiach is to enter into conversation as opposed to uh, debates and trying to uh, make everything come down to a finite point where there is nothing uh, else to be discussed because many of the parts of the Talmud are left open-ended. And one of the things about Mashiach and the Messianic era and what things will be like uh, after the end of the final exile, we won't know until it happens. But there's a lot of conjecture. There's a lot of different opinions and different insights that are brought down from the Talmud, from the Midrash, from the Zohar, uh, and from the Arizal, and so on and so forth. So it's great to know the different pieces to be able to put them together. And there are wonderful resources available like um, the Messiah text, uh, Who, What, When, Where, Mashiach from Breslev. Uh, there's a book called The Future, and uh, I forget the name of the rabbi, uh, but it's a wonderful book. And there are many other books along those lines. And so these are just a few just to mention off the top of my head without them being in front of me. So in Sanhedrin 96b, it says, Rav Nachman asked Rabbi Yitzhak, have you heard when Barnafli will come? Rabbi Yitzhak said to him, who is Barnafli? Rav Nachman said to him, the Mashiach. Rabbi Yitzhak said, do you call the Mashiach Bar-Nafli? Rav Nachman answered him, yes, for it is written, on that day I will establish. Going to the next daf, which is 97a. On that day I will establish the booth of David that is fallen, which is Hanoflet. And if you look at the Ivrit, it says et sukat David with an extra vav. David or with a with a yod, extra yod, not um, a vav. There's normally a vav in David. There's dalit vav dalit, which are the Hebrew letters that make up the name David. And you can add the letter yud and it still is pronounced David. And so... There's another book that says uh, it's called What the Rabbis Know About Messiah. And in there, it has a chapter about Messiah being the son of David. And when you see David with a Vav uh, Yud Dalit spelling in the middle, so Dalit Vav Yud Dalit being the extra Yud that's in the name David, that is uh, synonymous with the greater David, a.k.a. the Messiah, son of David. And what's interesting is this footnote says, Amos 9-11, God will send the Mashiach to reestablish the fallen Davidic dynasty. 
And when you read from Kol Hatur, which is attributed to the Vilna Gaon, it says that the fallen Mashiach is going to be the one who is known as Mashiach ben Yosef. And Mashiach ben Yosef, through the work that he does and the mission he accomplishes, he establishes the throne of David, just like we pray three times a day in the Shemani Esrei, the Amidah prayer. And it goes on to say, Accordingly, the Mashiach is called Barnafli, which means son of the fallen And that's from Rashi. By giving the Mashiach the name Barnafli, i.e. son of the fallen kingdom of David, the Gemara stresses the continuity of the Davidic dynasty. The Mashiach will not build a new dynasty. It's important to know the Mashiach will not do anything that is new as far as being in contradiction to Jewish history and uh, everything that we already have established as Jewish foundation, you know, like Torah, mitzvot and things like that. Even so much so that when Hashem told David HaMelech that his throne will be established forever, we have to know that when the Mashiach is on the throne reigning as king of Israel, that is the perpetuation of the throne of David, which is not a new dynasty. And in order for us to really understand Yeshua as the Mashiach, we have to understand David as the king of Israel. And so this is really, really important to understand about why there have been attempts to create a new religion, create uh, new commands and um, customs and all sorts of holidays that are antithetical to Jewish thought, as well as um, the whole focus on who the Messiah is. The Messiah was never meant to be uh, a, a Trinitarian uh, type uh, replacement for Hashem and um, this completely um, not human type individual. He, he, number one, he is the Zadik. He is the one who was uh, sent to come to restore mankind back to our original status of Adam before the sin, before the fall in the garden. And so we really have to understand the tapestry of dynamics that that really entails, as opposed to just painting straight over it and saying this is the God man. And he has, uh, you know, set all mankind free of their sins and uh, he's taken away death and those things like that. It's much more deeper than that. And you really have to be careful as you unpack these things, because, again, those ideologies came from. Uh, belief systems that are antithetical to the Torah. And so everything that we know about the Messiah has to flow from what we know in the Torah. It cannot come from anywhere else because it will lead us into an, into an erroneous uh, disposition, which can be very disheartening, by the way, because I myself, personal experience, am going through this process now of re-understanding who the Messiah is and who he's supposed to be. So the other thing it says is that Mashiach will not build a new dynasty. Rather, he will restore the one that is currently fallen. It is important to know that there is a suspension 
that has happened. There's been a suspension of the temple service. There's also been a suspension of the kingship of the kings of Israel. So the dynasty, the Davidic dynasty. So it goes on to say, for this reason, the verse refers to the monarchy of David as a sukkah rather than as a bayit, which is a house. So a tent as opposed to a house. And we, we should all know, those of us who have observed the festival of Sukkot, that when you're in your sukkah, you kind of feel like if it gets too windy, if it rains, if it's too hot, this thing is done. You know, it falls over easily. You know, it uh, can't really shelter you from the outdoor elements and things like that. But, you know, when you really look at the uh, the what the Talmud here is bringing down, it's really just saying that David's dynasty is compared to a sukkah because it has fallen over, but it will be reestablished as a house. And it's important to know that the temple that is to come is known as the house of prayer for all people which, by the way, is attributed to Yaakov, who called it the house of God. So it goes on to say, uh, so it rather than being called a bayit, which is the more common term for a royal dynasty, see Sota 11b, when a house collapses, the structure is typically ruined and an entirely new one must be built in its stead. But when a booth collapses, the original structure is easily restored to its former state. This is why, you know, when you think about the body of Messiah, it was just like the tabernacle in the wilderness, that it was torn down, but then it was raised back up. And the sages say that it was the tabernacle. It was as if it raised itself back up, even though Moshe was the one who set it up. Or initially, and then throughout the wilderness, it was the 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 Leviim, the Levites, who uh, set it up and tore it down. And so here we are seeing a, a forerunner of the picture of the resurrection of the body of the Messiah that is known as a temple, which is, by the way, the dynasty of David. So it goes on to say, see Maharal Netzach Yisrael, chapter 35, and Rambam writes, the Messianic king will arise and restore the monarchy of David to its former state, to its original dominion. He'll quote Malachim 11, 1. Anaf Yosef and Ben Yehoida point out that Bar Nafli has the numerical value of 372 which is the same as that of Ben Yishai, which is the son of Yishai, i.e. David. And it says, Aruch Laner suggests that Rabbi Yitzhak used the term Barnafli, the fallen one, as opposed to Mashiach, because he was not simply asking when the Mashiach will come. Rather, he was inquiring as to how low the people will have to fall before he can come. See note four. Let's go right there to note four, which says travail preceding Mashiach's arrival, which is known as Hevle Mashiach, the birth pains of the, Messi the Messiah. The period immediately before the Mashiach's arrival is termed by the sages as Hevli or Hevle Mashiach, which is the travail of the Mashiach. 
During this time, the people will undergo suffering analogous to the travail of a woman in childbirth. See Sanhedrin 98b, notes 5 and 8. The Gemara below 97b through 98a records a view which maintains that if necessary, the Jewish people will be forced to repent before the Mashiach's coming. I can tell you right now with the situation in Ukraine and with Russia, uh, among many other places, those are not the only ones. We should know this, but there's a lot of being uh, understood now. Hey, Hashem is our only hope in this. There's a lot of need for giving us DACA, all kinds of fundraisers and uh, needs to make Aliyah fleeing the country and things like that that are happening. So it's really amazing to think not only are these individuals, but all of us who are joining together in prayer for them and all of us making Shuva and giving as much the DACA as we possibly can, which is the same thing that happened during the time of Purim. This is bringing us to a state of repentance so that we can bring the Mashiach. So may we merit it speedily in our days. Mashiach now. According to this view, the purpose of the pre-Messianic travail. Here's the purpose of these birth pangs. The purpose is to force the Jews to realize that their only hope lies with their father in heaven, which the last daf the last page of Tractate Sota brings down all of the things that will occur in the generation before the arrival of the Mashiach. And we are going through all of them. And we only have this final one, which is our only hope is in our father who is in heaven. And this is directly connected to the Messiah. Yeshua saying, when the son of man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Because that is the last of the birth pangs of will anyone trust in Hashem? Will people remember Hashem? Will people return and trust in their father who is in heaven? Open our mouth for all of our needs. Remember in the wilderness when we were hungry and when we were thirsty and we complained as opposed to just opening our mouth and davening to Hashem. Well, I can tell you right now, at least in our community at Magin Yishenu, that we have a lot of prayer requests that are coming in and it's really forcing us to understand we need to open our mouth and we need to pray. We need to not only pray for ourselves, but we need to pray for our fellow Mishpacha. We need to pray for our fellow Jews. We need to pray for our fellow mankind. And with everything that's going on in the worldwide situation right now, the global situation, the new pandemic is... Will mankind, Jew and non-Jew alike, reach out to one another and support one another, pray for one another, and provide whatever we can for each other? And that is the final redemption, that it is just like the, the redemption from Mitzrayim, from Egypt, but it's now global. And it's not just for the Jews, but it's also for the nations. And so may we also realize it's not just about the Jews. It's also for the nations. We all need to repent and return to Hashem. This is why the Mashiach spoke these words. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it's important to know in Jewish thought, you can always bring the Geula. You can bring redemption in a moment. You can bring it now. It's a matter of can we merit it? Can we work together with Hashem, play our part in the role of bringing the redemption because Hashem is going to bring it, but will we be ready and will we uh, either receive it or will we reject it? And if our deeds are not in line with what Hashem wills for our life, 
then that's what pushes it further out and delays it. And then it goes on to say that, and we must repent to merit his salvation. See see Maharsha. And it says, some commentators explain that the suffering and pain are symptoms of the world's decline that must necessarily precede the Messianic era. A new order of existence cannot be established before the previous one has deteriorated. One of the things that I was watching on HGTV, um, because in my break room at work, they have random shows that show that come on the TV. So HGTV was the latest and it was showing about remodeling a home, rebuilding the house. And the rebuilding process was like completely decimating what was there before so that all of the new all of the new pieces and furnishings and structure uh, details can be put into place. And so I think it's amazing. And even though it's very, very tragic and hard and difficult right now, that that's what's happening. There's a big breakdown and teardown and remodeling of the globe and all of creation so that the new can be brought forth. And this is also something we have to realize in our own lives where when we're called and encouraged to take off the old and put on the new. That means a tearing down of our previous ideologies and our um, ways of life and uh, things that we would uh, be desirous for that may be contrary to the newness that Hashem is calling us into. So maybe, for instance, Kashrut, Shabbat, uh, dressings and newt, you know, you may not have done those things before, but now it's called to Let's let's tear down those old schedules. Let's tear down our old eating habits. Let's tear down our old dress code and and bring in the new. And you do that little by little because it takes time to build. I mean, unless you can just snap your fingers and, you know, I dream of genie, wiggle your nose and nod your head. But uh, usually the natural process is that it takes work. So this is what these birth pangs are calling for us to do. And the Aruk Laner points out an example. It says, points to a kernel of wheat, which must rot in the ground before it sprouts and brings forth a new stalk. Can we say John 12, 24, right there in the Talmud, Sanhedrin 97a, John 12, 24, about the kernel of wheat that must fall into the ground and die. My goodness. The Messianic era will be one of the profound and comprehensive change. It says to make way for this new era, the current norms must collapse. This decline will inevitably involve a great deal of suffering, which we all know this is happening right now. So we are literally there. We don't have to wait hundreds of years anymore. We don't have to wait decades anymore. It can happen now. This is why us all shouting Mashiach now and continuing to daven, continuing to repent is so powerful. It's making a big, big impact. Keep it going. So see a Barbanel, Yeshuot, Meshiko, and Iyun first or Iyun one, chapter five, Maharal Netzach Yisrael, chapters thirty-two and thirty-five, Aruch Laner. See also Torah Chaim to ninety-eight A. And it says, in line with this approach, Abarbanel shows how each of the troubles enumerated in the Gemara is the opposite of a particular phenomenon that will occur after the 
Mashiach's arrival. For instance, when the Mashiach comes, the world will be full of the knowledge of Hashem, Isaiah 11.9. Thus, in contrast, the pre-Messianic era will necessarily see a dearth of knowledge of God. As the Gemara states above, the number of Torah scholars will decrease. The Messianic era will be one of great joy and happiness, Isaiah 55, 12 and 61, 10. In contrast, the period before his coming will be marked by sorrow. Their eyes will become worn out through grief and anxiety. Is this not happening right now? You know, one of the things that's currently going on is the rise in gas prices, and that is just cooking a lot of people's grits. So I'm just saying, eyes becoming worn out through grief and anxiety. Hmm. It says it has been suggested that the travail of the Mashiach will occur only in the event that the Mashiach comes without positively meriting him. That's an important statement. We can positively merit him. Why wait for a big nuclear war, World War Three, and for everything else to continue to pop off? Why not finish it now with a positive merit of redemption? We have a huge part to play in that. I pray that we all dwell on these things. Should we bring the redemption through studying Torah and performing mitzvot? The Mashiach's arrival will not be preceded by suffering. Should we bring the redemption through studying Torah and performing mitzvot, i.e. performing the commandments? The Mashiach's arrival will not be preceded by suffering. See Or HaChaim to Genesis 49.11. So this has been Sanhedrin 96b through Sanhedrin 97a. May we merit a positive redemption with minimized suffering speedily in our days. Mashiach now.